0: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad eighth inning Yankees leading Toronto 7-1 the Nuggets and the Lakers just underway it's 2-1 for the Nuggets first minute of the basketball game oh now 4-2 for the Lakers don't worry I'm not going to update every basket Lakers up 2-0 in that best of seven and uh the story today, uh, broken by uh, our own Dave Campbell, and we were talking about it uh, earlier in the show, Dwayne Mandruziak has been let go by the E football team. Now, what happened was Mandruziak was one of uh, several members of the organization laid off in May because of the pandemic. Of course, many... Well, sports team businesses of all varieties have had to let people go. Uh, but today, Mandruziak was informed that uh, that's it. He has been let go by the team, so he will not get the chance to work his 50th season as equipment manager of the E football team. Uh, another member of the equipment staff, Dave Reporting, and uh, somebody in ticketing also let go by the green and gold today. So that is a, a tough story. Long time, long time with the team and uh, beloved. I've had a current player Reach out, uh, reach out tonight. Uh, and actually, now I believe, yeah, Dave Campbell has just let me know all of the equipment staff let go today. Wow. Okay, so that is tough for uh, for a lot of people. But obviously, Dwayne, the headline guy there, because he's been with the the Green and Gold for so long. That is uh, that is tough. Would have been season number fifty, and just uh, you know, like like I said, a current player texted me and said how much he loves Dwayne and how he should be uh, the last guy ever let go by the team. And he's uh, he's touched a lot of lives along the way. And part of his story, he probably wouldn't want me to talk about this, but part of his story that he's been working uh, while having Parkinson's disease since 2012 and just a beloved member of the organization and the community and a guy who knows that firsthand as a former player, with uh, the team that was then known as uh, the Eskimos. And, of course, you've stayed in touch with Dwayne over the years. Uh, Blake Dermott is on the line. Blake, uh, that's that's a tough story today.
1: Yeah, I uh, I talked with Dwayne on Saturday. He didn't tell me that anything was up. And then I got a message or I got a phone call from Dwayne yesterday, and I missed it. And I actually today, and I missed it, and I tried to get a hold of him. But uh, obviously... Um, this was probably what it was about so this is the first i've heard of it and um, yeah it's a uh, um it's 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 disturbing it's uh you know for anybody that not only been involved with the the edmonton football operation over the last 50 years everybody knows dwayne mandry everybody in the league knows dwayne mandry and Every minor football organization in the city knows who Dwayne Mandryzek is because Dwayne has helped out so many different organizations. I know he's helped out organizations like the Edmonton Chargers and and certainly um, the uh, Sherwood Park minor football and St. Albert minor football and and, uh, just, uh, you know, always giving of his time and just a real class act. And, uh, yeah, uh, that's disturbing news.
0: Just tell me a little bit about his his personality and how someone like Dwayne can contribute to just well to winning I mean right even though he's not running the ball or making tackles or things like that
1: well I mean on top of the fact that Dwayne was probably the greatest historian that the Edmonton football organization had because he'd seen so much he knew so many stories and and he was really uh uh, he he could bring up uh, something that had happened 20, 30 years ago uh, just as easily could have something that happened yesterday and uh, and, and, and he you know when Dwayne talked, uh, if you got to know him if you were around long enough and lots of guys did, obviously you'll probably hear all kinds of outpouring of uh, support for him over the next couple of days. but the, uh, people were you could just be you could be riveted by Dwayne, you know just listening to the stories. But the other thing that he had the ability to do and, and uh, I mean Dwayne was an equipment guy. But he had so much respect from the players, and and he was one of the guys. Like, Dwayne was not, you know, um, somebody that was a support staff. Dwayne was one of the guys. Dwayne, like, uh, I mean, to this day, uh, I, I, when I talked with Dwayne on the weekend, we were talking about going golfing, and, uh, you know, Dan Bass and I tried to get Dwayne out to go golfing about uh, three weeks ago because, because – uh, um, uh, we had some time off, but Dwayne's kids were taking him out golf, and so he's just—he's one of those guys that that I, that every player that ever played for the Eskimos knows him, and I bet you there's not one guy that could ever think of anything negative to say about him.
0: Yeah, that's, that's well said. And I'm, I'm glad to get yours and Dave's perspective tonight because, uh, you know, I'm not around the team anywhere near what you guys are or over the years. And of course, uh, again, if you're, if you're just joining us, uh, Dave Campbell of 630 Chad, producer of the show, reporting that uh, Dwayne Mandruziak, let go by the Eskimos, he and, and others were laid off in the spring. And uh, Dave reporting that Dwayne Mandruziak, one of at least three members of the organization, told today that, uh, that that's it for them. Uh, with with the team that they're going to be uh, doing some different things i guess this would have been his 50th year. Uh, 50th season, so that one obviously would have been pushed back to, to next year, so it doesn't, doesn't look like he'll get a chance to celebrate that. Uh, as, as a member of uh, of the organization, there there has been nothing official from the team that I have said. Now, look, Dave's information is, is rock solid. I just bring that up, is that sometimes in this situation, the team might put out a statement or something like that, and and the reason I'm not giving you that is because I don't have anything like that. Uh, anyway, so that's just to clarify that part of it, uh, part of it Blake. Yeah, I mean it is interesting and i mean i'm seeing some reaction on twitter from guy like i said a current player contacted me players who played in the last 10 years um i mean blake you've been retired i'm not even sure for over 10 years for you maybe over 20 (laughs) but but yeah i mean it's truly he's an amazing generational link between so many different eras that's that's to me the truly amazing part
1: well yeah and and uh you know, in spite of uh, his age and longevity with the organization, he always found a way to be able to communicate with the guys, the younger guys, and so, and that's why I think that he was he was always considered one of the guys. He wasn't you know looked at as some guy that would just oh yeah you you young guys or anything like that. Dwayne felt that he was an, uh, it was important to have certain. Um, um, Traditions, and he—it was important for things to be done in a certain way, and that way was always with 100% class, and uh, and he did it, and and that's why when if you talk to um, equipment managers around the league, so many of those guys over the years, because a lot of them are, are younger than Dwayne, but so many of those guys have leaned on Dwayne for advice for. You know, I mean, especially with, imagine, you, you've been to the Grey Cup as many times as the Edmonton Football Club has been to in the last 25 years. And these guys are phoning to wait, okay, what do I need to bring? What do I need to do? How do I need to, you know, how do we set it up? Uh, he was he was like, not only was he a wealth of knowledge and, uh, um, and an, an excellent source of uh, tradition uh, within the, uh, the or- Edmonton organization, but throughout the CFL, there isn't anybody in the CFL that doesn't know who, who he is.
0: Tell me about how Dwayne and and people on his staff, and and like you said, the other people around the league, how, how quickly do they have to anticipate to something that happens in game? How ultimately prepared do they have to be? I mean, they must have to have every piece of equipment, contact lens, padding, imaginable, ready to go just in case.
1: Yeah, I, I can't imagine uh, because I've never done that job, how much time and effort. I, I do know this, though, that during training camp, you know, uh, um, we as players, I mean, it was the hardest thing that we ever did as players. You know, we'd, you know you'd, you're sore, you get up, you you come to, uh, you get to breakfast at 6 o'clock in the morning, and, and then you have to, uh, practice in the morning and, and meetings, and, and then practice in the afternoon, and then meetings. And, and by the time the meetings and everything break up, it's probably 9.30 at night. So we've started at six and have gone until nine thirty at night, and and uh, and then we think how bad it is. But Dwayne has started two hours before us, and will go for two hours after us, um, you know, and 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 his and his whole group. So. Those guys are were operating on fumes after just a few days. So if you're not prepared, if you're not uh, if you don't have everything uh, practiced and and uh, and stored and proper uh, and organized, if you're not organized and prepared, you'd never be able to do that job. And uh, and and a lot of that comes with experience. And uh, but I think so much of it is just because because he's been around it so much. Like you said, he can anticipate. Okay, I better make sure that I have this. I better make sure that I have that. And and if he didn't ever have something, you know that by the next game he was going to have it. I remember, uh, I had to wear these special designed knee braces, and uh, and they were and then all of a sudden there was a bunch of guys that had to wear these knee braces, and and we were afraid of throwing them into because they're carbon fiber and throwing them into equipment bags and. And uh, I think somebody's had one of them damaged because it gets squished in, the, in an airplane. The next week, Dwayne had a metal case made that each one of these pairs of, uh, you know, because they were $1,500 a, a knee brace. And when you got 10 pairs of knee braces in there, you better make sure these things are, are and if, you, if they're broken, we can't play. So he had a case made within a couple of days, and, uh, and he was always... That was he. He knew so many people in the city to get things done, and he and he was made sure that the Eskimos always had the best stuff um, over everybody else we played against.
0: Yeah, it's tough. Uh, Don texting and he says, "Guys, is this a sign that they don't anticipate any football next year?" Uh, yeah, I wouldn't take it that far, Don. I, I know it's it's hard not to be pessimistic sometimes these days. I. It's a big story here. Dwayne's a great guy, uh, Blake, but I wouldn't want fans to turn this into a s- sky is falling scenario for the whole league either. So, that's... Well, he, well,
1: here's the thing. I mean, here's the reality of the situation is that if if you you can't have, uh, the Como Stadium is closed down. I know I talked with uh, somebody from the Eskimo office today. They're, they're just back in the office. Very few people were just back in the office today. So, they're, they've got a so for all of this time uh, and now that's administration so they've got to have a certain amount of people for marketing or, or whatnot going forward so there was people there today uh, so that's a positive sign but knowing that the facilities shut down for the next however long three four five months that there's no possibility of players being able to come through there so so the reality is, if there's no players coming through there, then there's nobody. There's no need for anybody to be managing and handling the equipment because most of that stuff would have been prepared for this season already. Because Dwayne mm. would have had that ready by March or, or, or you know April at the absolute latest. But they, uh, so so why is there a need for those personnel to be in the facility? And I can so I can understand that that they were let go today. Um, does that mean that when things fire up again in the spring that they're not asked to come back and co- go to work? I don't know. Um, but uh, So maybe we're all jumping the gun on this thing. I know they were laid off because there was no work and that, that's continued. So maybe this is just something that is, uh, is going to be temporary.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a good point. we still got to wait and see about that. Blake, can you hang on the line? Because I want to touch on a couple NFL storylines uh, with you. Yeah, can you hang good. on a couple minutes? Yeah, more with Blake Dermott, Insights So, the story uh, broken today by 630 Jets Dave Campbell. Dwayne Mandruziak let go today by the double E, 49 years as equipment manager. This would have been his 50th season had it been played. Blake Dermott is on the line. We discussed uh, Dwayne in the last segment. Uh, Blake, I want to, you know, we're still going to have you on the talk football, so that'll still be fun. Unfortunately, it's not CFL uh seattle new england those are actually our two favorite teams i'm not gonna gloat i'm not gonna gloat because it was a yard and a half from going the other way but what a football game that that was just a classic game
1: yeah no i uh i that was one of the few games i was able to watch uh this week and uh i i think the best for last because it really truly was a good game uh you know uh, uh, with the numbers that uh, uh, both those guys were able to put up, and, and uh, Russell Wilson, you know, Belichick saying that he's he thinks he's the the best player in the league, and, and the reality is, is over all of these years, he's never got any votes as, as an MVP. Uh, he's And he's only won a Super Bowl and only been, you know, uh, one of the, the top-performing quarterbacks in the league for a number of years. And then it's great to see Cam Newton back playing because, you uh, because you know, in that last uh, last five minutes of the game, when they were down a couple of touchdowns, and and uh, they, they marched the ball down the field, and as you said, got to within a yard and a half with one play to go. Uh, it was uh, it, it sort of told everybody that this this New England Patriots team, who some thought that with with brady being gone and and bringing in a washed up cam newton that this was going to be you know something that uh was going to be a little bit uh, shy of a train wreck this year and it it hasn't been to this point and uh and cam newton's putting up some pretty darn good numbers too so uh and and with 75 yards rushing in the first uh, game that they played i think if i remember it the first game with him and they won um they ran the ball they had more running plays called in that game than in any other game in the bill belichick uh, era so So uh, the hoodie is uh, showing that he's just, you know, they're not just coaching a passing type of an offense. They know how to, and that's one of the reasons why they've been so successful is because they've been able to work with the type of player that they have. and, uh, And now they've got a different type of guy pulling the strings, and it looks pretty good.
0: Yeah, I mean, Newton's 31, so anybody who thought he was washed up, I was kind of like, well, hold the phone, and he's going to a pretty good situation. Okay, uh, so it sounds like both you and I on Sunday only watched the Sunday Night You're Live because I'm a golf nut, so I watched the U.S. Open, but I saw a lot of the highlights. Did you see the the Falcons uh, observe the short kick by Dallas and allow yeah. them to recover it? <laughs> like, yeah, that, was, uh, do, do they, that? Do The players was... just go to sleep as a group sometimes? Like, what's going on? Uh, you know, sometimes you just overthink
1: it, you know, and uh, and, and then yeah, I, it was, I, I don't know what he was doing, just standing there waiting for the ball, because as, obviously as a team trying to, you're kicking the ball, you have to wait for 10 yards for it to, before you can jump on it, but if you're the receiving team, you can jump on it at any point, and to have a guy just stand and wait to let, allow them to jump on it, that's, uh, uh, that was a critical error, and uh, obviously... Uh, that, that's the problem that you have with, with only have, without having exhibition games and having so many young guys playing on special teams, and and I've heard this over and over and over again uh, over this year. You got to remember when you got young guys. Now this is the pros now. This is the NFL. So most of these guys were the stars on their teams in their high school. they there's you know minor teams or high school teams and the college teams and when you're the star, do you you rarely play on special teams? So now they get to the pro level and so now they got to get on special teams and for some of these guys, this could be the first time they've ever done that. And and it's it's like a whole new set of rules for these guys that they've had to learn and, and so you can understand how come there can be special teams uh, mishaps because of that because of the youth and because you didn't have special you didn't have uh, exhibition games to prepare these guys.
0: Uh, I know you watch all the hockey games and you're big Oilers fans. Quickly, I I, I had a love letter to these individuals earlier. What do you say to the two voters who didn't even have Leon in their top five on the heart ballot?
1: Yeah, well, you know what? (laughs) (laughs) They're probably Eastern guys, and they they probably have a very limited uh, uh, NHL package. So they didn't get to see a lot of the games. There there
0: we go. Blake, uh, you're the best. Thanks for talking about Dwayne Mandruziak, man. He's getting a lot of love tonight. And, of course, we'll be checking in throughout the fall, buddy. Talk to you soon. Uh, All right. Thanks a lot. See you soon. That is uh, Blake Dermott, former member of the Green and Gold, now our analyst here on 630 Chat. Always good to have him on the show. We are back. After the news, uh, we're going to talk a little bit of golf. Bryson DeChambeau, he can pound it. Long drive champ Jamie Sadlowski from St. Paul. Tough go for the Blue Jays tonight. They are losing 10-1 to the Yankees in the bottom of the eighth. Now, the Jays can still inch closer to a playoff spot tonight if the Mariners lose to the Astros. The Blue Jays' magic number is three, a combination of their wins plus Mariners' losses. And uh, Seattle and Houston are tied 1-1 in the bottom of the first game. Three of the NBA's West Final the Nuggets up 36-27 on the Lakers, a minute and a half into the second quarter. The Lakers lead that series 2-0, and as first reported by our own Dave Campbell, Dwayne Mandruziak has been let go by the double E football team 49 years as the equipment manager, this would have been season number 50. 780-496-0063 is how you can reach me. Email is inside sports at 630Ched.com. Follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D, Wilkins like Dominique, who was on the show a few years ago, W-I-L-K-I-N-S. And if you don't know who Dominique Wilkins is, my goodness, go to Wikipedia. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I always enjoy watching the golf majors. Uh, Colin Murakawa took the PGA a few weeks ago, and it was Bryson DeChambeau, one of the stories this year, winning the U.S. Open, really running away with it ultimately on the uh, final day. And to discuss that, uh, a gentleman I first knew when he played for the Bonneville Pontiacs in the AGHL, he's gone on to be one of the best long drive competitors in the world. As a matter of fact, he won the world title a couple times. He's uh, back home in St. Paul right now. It is Jamie Sadlowski. Jamie, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm good, Reed, How are you doing? I'm doing very well. It's uh, it's nice to talk to you. Obviously, a lot of it under strange circumstances. Be- before we g- get into some of the U.S. Open and Bow stories, let everybody know about how your competitive season has been affected.
2: Well, it was canceled earlier this year um, on the McKenzie-PJ Tour Canada so, yeah, I've just kind of been taking it at home for the first time in a long time and uh, getting some good home time in, I guess. There's not much going on right now, probably not till later on this fall. So just enjoying a little home time.
0: All right. So and now in, in terms, because we, we talked before that um, you obviously do the long drive, but you also play traditional golf, I guess, for lack of a better term. How have you balanced that the last couple of years, or have you totally shifted away from the long drive?
2: yeah I've totally shifted away so 2015 that fall was my last year um, it's been that long already my it god has okay. been, yeah time <laughs> oh, flies geez. i'll tell you why um <laughs> so yeah it's been five years Well uh, coming up on five years but yeah it's been it's been a change i mean it's two different games you go from hitting it far and not having to find it to, you know having to play 18 holes and find every shot and hole every putt so it, it, it's a it's a new challenge in itself but you know got to get better every
0: day yeah for sure okay well let's let's talk a little bit about Deschambeau. um first of all you you've obviously met Bryson you've you've played with him I I don't know how well you know him but tell us a little bit about his personality because it was funny on uh Saturday a lot of people were like oh Deschambeau and Patrick Reed like the two villains on the PGA tour which I don't know if that was fair or not but to tell us about Bryson
2: yeah, uh, you know, he's, he's obviously a guy that he's, he doesn't care what people think, obviously. But he's a guy that he's, every day that guy wakes up, I mean, he is working, he's doing things his way. It, you know, instruction now is a teacher will take a student in and try to turn them into what they think they should be. Bryson has instructors, and he tells them what he wants to do and what he wants to be, and they help him get there so he's totally different than anyone else i believe and he's not afraid to do things differently and you know when he after last year when he said he's gonna get jacked i was kind of like really like is that and you know he he's 240 pounds and you know he's winning the u.s open and he won earlier this year at the rocket and i mean he's in the top five or six in the world now so he's a different guy he does things his way which you know i can appreciate coming from you know the sport where i try to do say maybe not as unorthodox but like he's just he is going to do everything he can to you know be the best he can he can be without someone telling him hey you have to do it this way which golf instruction has gone that way unfortunately
0: right so tell me a little bit about his, his clubs and the club length, because anybody who's played golf knows that clubs with less loft are longer, right? Your driver's longer than your 5-wood. Yeah. Your 3- or 4-iron is longer than your 9-iron, but that's one of the things he's turned on its ear here.
2: Yeah, so the driver, his driver is, I believe, a standard length driver. He's talking about going to a 48-inch driver, but the 3-wood is 3-wood length, 43 inches, but in the irons, it's one length. So from 3-iron to lob wedge, it's 7-iron um, length, which is 37 and a half inches. But the crazy thing is, I mean, that's a crazy setup, but the, the clubs are 72 degrees upright. So my shortest club in my bag is my 60-degree, and it's going to be the most upright club in the bag, and it's 64 degrees. He's playing a 3-iron that's 72 degrees upright which is so i mean i've tried to hit these clubs before i played in a pj tour event at colonial <laughs> in fort worth a few years ago and i stood on the range with him and i tried to hit his iron i swear to god I shanked every ball 100 yards right there's just it's but it, the way his golf swing is built his i believe his coach is mike shy and he gave him a book back in the day when he was 15 and it was called the golf machine and he's He's built a golf swing with one plane. Normally a golf swing has two planes. He's one plane, very rotary. There's no wrist action. And it's, it's the you know, very, um, there's not much that can go wrong with it.
0: So is that why he appears to be standing with his arms so tense when he addresses the ball? And, and this was of interest to me, Jamie, as I've talked about a million times on the show. I'm quite a poor golfer, even though I enjoy the game. But when I took a lesson about three years ago, my, my instructor said like you know loosen up your arms because i would go up there with my left arm locked in place right and i wasn't bending that elbow or anything and and he kind of told me just just relax just let your arms flow but bryson looks like he's trying to like sh- strangle somebody without yeah. his arms are
1: but that's
2: so like the supination which in your like left arm call it he he usually your your left arm will turn inward his he actually turns it outward and he creates like a big triangle and he just rotates around that there's not a lot of wrist hinge you look at you know some of the longer hitters in the world everyone has a ton of wrist hinge where he doesn't everything's connected to his body and he he swings it on one plane normally the backswing is a little higher and the downswing comes underneath a bit his stays on the exact same plane So, and and that's why you see him, you know, he looks rigid, you know, it looks like he's, like you said, trying to strangle something, but it's, he, he he makes a big turn, not a lot of wrist hinge and he hits it with his body. There's not a lot of wrist action and in golf, if you, you know, wrist action is going to create a lot of tiny mechanisms and his golf swing is, you know, one big turn and one big turn through and there's not a lot that can go wrong with it.
0: Jamie Sadlowski joining us tonight, pro golfer, former World Long Drive champion on Inside Sports. We're talking about Bryson DeChambeau and the U.S. Open. So, look, we know the USGA wants to torture players, quite frankly. Yeah. I, watching a wing foot, okay, I get it. The, the rough has to be long. I was a little frustrated, though, watching dry ball. guys hit balls to the center of the green, and then it's like, oh, there's a ridge there, and it rolls 40 yards backwards off the front I, was that the usga tricking it up is that just winged foot normally like was i seeing what i thought i was seeing here well
2: i'll tell you this normally it is the usga that you know will overdo something they'll burn the golf course out you know pin locations depending on weather conditions wind and all that they will mess it up but from what i've seen and heard from the players it was one of the more fair setups but it's just wing foot i mean it is It is one of the most difficult golf courses in the world. And, you know, usually the middle of the green is a safe place. But when you're playing to big greens with certain quadrants, and if you're not playing out of the fairway, you're going to struggle to get the ball close to the hole. And that's what it is. What people don't understand is when that ball rolls off 40 yards off the green, you got to hit a little chip over another knoll and make it stop or it's running away. But it's a, the, like those guys that played this week, the guys that were in contention, like I can't imagine how they feel right now. The energy level has got to be so, so low because it takes so much energy on every shot. You're talking like the fairways are like hallways there, and if you know if you miss a fairway, it's just a struggle to get the ball up and down. But it's it's a it's such a difficult golf course, and I I enjoy watching that because I think it's you know when a guy shoots six under. On that golf course i mean in lap the field it's pretty amazing to just say like we, you and i are we could get four nice players good players go play a four-day scramble out there and maybe not shoot six under
0: oh not so sure difficult. well not with me <laughs> you wouldn't be using my shots very much uh, unless you're a wicked you, putter <laughs> well i might be able to make one i'll give you that sometimes i can get a nice read on one so do you think winged foot Okay, maybe maybe this is too much of a black or white question, but I'll just ask it this way. Do you think winged might be the hardest course in the world?
2: I have never played it. I have a lot of buddies that have played it. I, I would say it's, it's in the top three. In a U.S. Open condition golf course, like that golf course, if they're not playing the U.S. Open there tomorrow or if they weren't prepared for it, they could host it there because it's that difficult.
0: Wow. Oh, jeez.
2: Yeah, Okay. It, it, I mean, so, you would want so to once and then you'd have that on your bucket list and then you'd be good. You'd probably never want to see it again.
0: <laughs> so how do they make it playable for members? Is, or do you think the tees are just that much shorter for, for the members then? Would that be the difference?
2: Yeah, I think so. It well, have a lot to of it has to do. Obviously, they'll cut the rough a little bit. I've heard sure. that they play the rough up quite a bit there, not as drastic as the U.S. Open, obviously. Uh, but you talk about firm conditions uh, for greens. that's the biggest factor in pin location. I mean, you know, they're going to kind of corner it out in any PGA sanctioned event. That's just what they do, so it's not accessible. I mean, that just puts an emphasis on hitting the ball in the fairway. That's the only way you can tack anything or any pin out there. But, you know, when you're hitting it 60, 70 yards by guys and, you know, maybe you're in the rough, but you can flip a 60-degree wedge on the front of the green or at least have a look at it, Uh, rolling the dice sounds, you know, little better than you know a four iron from 240 or whatever they're doing so sure okay makes the golf course (laughs) much more playable when you can do what bryson does uh
0: lyle who says he used to live in malague near st paul just wondering if jamie has launched a golf ball off the ufo landing pad in st paul
2: (laughs) Uh, i know where malague is we were actually gonna do that a couple years ago i had espn in town uh well i'd say a couple of years ago but it was in i think it was in 2009 we we're going to hit one down main street but we we're a little worried about the repercussions of what would happen if i hit a car or something while i was in motion
0: <laughs> what, what have you been doing to stay to stay sharp I, I know there's a lot of golf there in the midwest as we call that region have you been getting out and playing some uh, some local courses
2: yeah i've been playing a lot um obviously playing in saint paul where i'm from i go to Bonneville a lot there's a lot of tournaments going on four-man scrambles you know more so kind of a laid back relaxed summer for the first time in a long time so it's been good to spend some time at home but um you know it's been definitely a different uh time usually i'm always in go 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 mode with flying and moving around and getting to the next event but being stationary since march 8th it's been a different experience for sure
0: and be just uh, sort of keep you for so long, but it's good. To, it's, I can't believe it's been that long since because I think it was twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen the last time we had you on. I thought it was more recent because it was when you were transitioning there a bit. You so see, right. you played hockey. Did you also play badminton that you think helped your golf swing, or did somebody say that about you once?
2: Yes, yeah, I was. I love badminton. Um, I think you know a, a huge attribute is a lot of it was just you know I, I was fortunate to have you know, always been able to make things go fast, throwing, hitting, but badminton was a huge part of that. The hand-eye coordination and, you know, all the wrist strength that it takes to, like, I would never think badminton would be a sport that would help, you know, help someone hit it farther, but I I really do believe that. But, you know, just, it's like, I always tell people, like, well, how you know, you're not a big guy, but, you know, I think just God-given ability to create speed, it's like trying to teach someone to throw a, 100-mile-an-hour fastball or 103 or 105-mile-an-hour fastball. Like, you can train all you want, but there's some people that just can't get there. And, I, I, you know, i was obviously fortunate to be blessed with the gift of speed.
0: Jamie, this was awesome to talk. Uh, I, I promise I'll do a better job of staying in touch because I love having you on the show. And uh, I really appreciate your time tonight. Great perspective on DeChambeau in the U.S. Open. Really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, thanks, Reed. I appreciate it. Anytime.
0: That is Jamie Sadlowski checking in tonight. Love his perspective. Uh, Yeah, DeChambeau doing things his own way and certainly working this year on the PGA Tour. Inside Sports on Chet. for uh tuning in yeah some tough news in the uh well not just the football community in edmonton today i, I think the entire community Dwayne Mandrusiak is first reported by dave campbell here on 630 ched let go by the double e football team 49 years as the equipment manager he and many others were laid off in may in the early stages of the pandemic and uh, as dave reported he and at least three others from the team and perhaps more members of the equipment staff were uh, let go today so it doesn't look like Dwayne's going to get a chance to do season number 50 that is uh, that is a tough one great man talked a bit about him with dave and with uh, with blake dermot and seeing a lot of reaction on social media as well just a huge part of that organization for I mean, five decades. That is uh, that is simply incredible. Leon Drysital wins the uh, heart and the uh, the Ted Lindsay. I'll have to I'll have to tweet out. Uh, I wrote a love letter to the two people, two voters of out of 170 that didn't even list Leon Dreisaitl, uh in in their on their ballots in the top five. Which to me is really strange. I like I maybe I'm old fashioned. Call me crazy. Call me old fashioned call me over the hill but i've i've always been of the belief that if you are the leading scorer in the national hockey league you're automatically a Hart trophy candidate because uh, you know the s plus minus coursey blocked shots face-offs all those other things are important but ultimately you have to score to win and produce offense and no one did that better than leon Dreisettle this year and really he was a a runaway winner from the scoring title I, i you know i've seen a lot of some people that are heavy into hockey analytics, picking apart Dreisaitl's game. And look, I, we've had analytics people on the show. Um, some people I think are really bright. Others I think are not, quite frankly. And, and I think they get too hung up on things that that aren't as important, or they try to assign importance to, to things that, that aren't as important. And to me, like saying that, that Leon Dreisaitl isn't a hard trophy candidate is, is like Judging a golfer based on his proximity to the hole and his approach shot, you still gotta watch them putt. They still gotta score. They still gotta put the ball in the hole. Thanks to Dave Campbell, the producer of the show. Kellen Kennedy is your studio producer. Hockey tomorrow at 6 Inside Sports returns on Thursday. My name is Reed. Thanks for listening.